Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Stories with Bree. I'm here with Howard Dallo. Welcome. Welcome to the show. And Thank you for having me. Yes. And as we were saying before we started, I was just like, I'm super excited to be able to talk to another fellow Black librarian. Yes. <laughs> so this is definitely exciting. And I'm so glad that you accepted my invite. <laughs> I just be DMing people. I'm like, listen, I know I'm DMing you and I know it's a little taboo sometimes. And I want to be, especially when I be DMing some of the guys, I'm like, I want y'all to think I'm trying to slide. Right. <laughs> I'm really in here for business, like for real. And so I really be trying to, um, if somebody has like an email, I'll try to, you know, get their email address or something like that. But I really do be trying not to like, I, I know a lot of people use DMs for business now, but it's still like what you have been here for. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't mind DMs because I had to take my email out of my bio because I kept getting a lot, a lot of unsolicited stuff. And I'm just like, I'd rather you just DM me so that way I can let you know if I want you to have my email. So, yeah. <laughs> crazy that's wild and of course i didn't mind giving you my email <laughs> i'm so glad i'm so glad i made the cut <laughs> so please tell the people about yourself and then we're going to get right into the icebreakers i like to try to do icebreakers just to get everybody comfortable and then after that we'll get into some of the mm-hmm. questions and you get to talk about your library journey is that okay with you yeah sounds good with me um, hi, everyone. My name is Howard Jallo. I am a librarian in Prince George's County, Maryland. Um, I'm also a bookstagrammer, and I like to collect things. I collect elephants and records and Funko Pops. So, yeah, that's just a little bit about me. <laughs> okay, okay. Elephants, records, and Funko Pops. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Okay, so we're going to get straight into the icebreakers. My first icebreaker okay. for you is... What was your favorite childhood book, if you can remember? Okay, so my favorite childhood book, it's so funny. Like, I I was a reader as a kid, but I barely remember anything I read back then. But the one thing that always stood out to me that I remembered was Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry by Mildred D. Taylor. But it was funny. Like, I remember loving it as a kid, but I didn't remember what it was about. So, like, I got to reread it a couple years ago um, just because they were coming out with the final book in the, the series. And I was like, oh, I love this just as much as I knew I did back then. Like, I love it as an adult. So it was fun revisiting that. But yes, that's that's my answer whenever anyone asks me that question. Even though for a while I was like, um, I don't know. But yes, that's the one. <laughs> nice, nice. I've actually heard of Roll of Thunder, Hit My Cry. I've not read it, heard of it. So yeah, that's me with most books anyway. So I feel that. <laughs> So another book to add to my list of children's books that I need to go back and read. Right. (laughs) Reference. Right. As a librarian, I know that you work in a library and everything, but my question is, do you have a library card? And if so, how many do you have? I have two and a half library cards. And the reason I say I have two and a half, because, okay, I have a library card for the county I live in. I have a library card for the county I work in. I have a virtual library card for DC, but I, so in order to get a full library card, like, you know, after the virtual card expires, you have to go in person and like uh, give proof of address and stuff like that. But the county I live in doesn't get free cards with them. So I know that once my virtual card expires, I'm not going to get a card with them, which is why I say I have two and a half library cards. Um, 
because I don't live in the county that they get cards for free and I have to pay $20 a year. And uh, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I understand completely. Yeah, some places do have that set up. Like I believe at St. Louis Public Library, when I wanted a library card with them, I had to pay like $15 a year. And I was like, this sucks. Like I shouldn't have to pay that. But then I understood like, you know, sometimes libraries use that funding for other things and things of that nature, but it's still kind of like, if you don't want to pay it, I don't blame you. If you can get a library card for free other places, then you might as well. Yeah, I realized that that was just me being greedy. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. You say you was just being greedy. That's okay. Ain't no wrong with Yeah, that. I wanted to have all the options on Libby. Like, I wanted to be able to, um, to, to have more things that I can put on hold and check out some books that I knew that they had that other places didn't have. Um, so yeah. <laughs> I got several library cards myself and I know that because I just recently moved. So I reopened my library cards in the area that I'm in. But I do know that, you know, once my library cards are set mm-hmm. fire, I'm going to be like, dang, man. Because <laughs> I have library cards. <laughs> area and in like northern Virginia and so once they expired mm-hmm. like what about my audiobooks right <laughs> especially if you're like in the middle of one or something like that or like you've been waiting on, on a list for like a really long time and then you're just like oh well that's that <laughs> right and um overdrive is now like discontinuing their their app and they're forcing everybody to go over mm-hmm. and I was like Okay, so if I go over to Libby, is my host going to go over there too? Or y'all going to be playing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just found that out. They said that because I was like, I, that's why I've been <laughs> letting Overdrive go. Because I was like, what I don't want to happen is that I end up not getting my hoes when I have to switch over here to this other app. And I'm going to be highly upset because I've been waiting for some books for a long time. <laughs> no, nah, I feel that. I use... um. I don't like the overdrive app but i like to use overdrive on the computer so like um i'll use libby on my phone but i'll use overdrive on the computer so like if i'm on the desk and uh i'm supposed to be working and i'll sometimes be reading the ebook don't tell nobody um <laughs> so yeah ain't no wrong with it if you look if you got a little free time go ahead and read the books you got to be able to tell them about it so you might as well right i love it <laughs> So for you, are you a uh, a digital person or pen and paper? In terms of writing, just your style, what you what you prefer, either one. I, in terms of like writing, like I used to journal a lot, and um, I like having like a physical journal and being able to write in it and stuff like that. The only thing about that is sometimes I get to writing and my hand starts hurting, and people are like, "Oh, well, that's why you can do like things like." digitally and stuff like that but I feel like that takes away the feeling of like keeping a journal for me personally I know that everybody's ability to do things is differently but I like having that journal with me the only thing is I used to get so terrified that I would like lose it um so like I made sure that like when I would write like it was legible enough so I could read it because I understand my handwriting but that other people couldn't and I try not to put any like identifying details or anything like that but yeah I like I like, I like pen and paper 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, I can understand that, you know, not wanting people to know your deep, dark secrets. Uh, sure. They probably wouldn't be able to identify you or maybe they would. So you <laughs> cautious about that. But yeah, I've done that too, where sometimes I'll write in a way where I'll understand it, but it'll be illegible to other people. And they'd be like, what is that? Is that an R or an E? Like what's she saying? <laughs> And it's like, exactly. <laughs> right. I'm glad you don't know what it's saying, but I do. <laughs> um, so who is your favorite, um, or if you have one, do you have a favorite author or writer? You know, it's so funny when I spread that question, I was like, this is kind of a loaded question, especially like for me, because I only really just got back into reading like a couple of years ago. Um, I think some favorites that I would say um, I love Jasmine Ward. Um, I'm still making my way through reading like some of the things that she's put out, but like she's just so good. Um, Jason Reynolds is another favorite. Um, and like I've also gotten to like meet him and like talk to him and like he's just like a genuine person. He just seems he's just so genuine and the love that he has for like children and literature is just like how can you be a librarian and not love Jason Reynolds and like all that he does for like reading and like children like <laughs> I completely agree he's so awesome like he's a really great writer on top of him being just awesome he's so laid back and cool and chill and you just like dude like are you really just you just you just this right. but kids love him and they and he is so nice right. He's just so knowledgeable about young readers and so knowledgeable about his subject matter. I'm just like, bruh, I, I've watched so many of his interviews and he currently just came out with the podcast, which I thought was pretty dope. So um, yeah, I'm with you right there. Jason Reynolds is on my list for YA people. Yes, I aspire to be as knowledgeable about children's things as he is. Another favorite of mine is um, Hanif Abdurraqib, who wrote They Can't Kill Us Until They Kill Us and A Little Devil in America. I love essays. So he's, I'll read anything he writes. Like anything he writes is like an auto buy for me. Like those three auto buy. If they're, if they're near me at an event that I can pull up to, I would love to see them. I haven't gotten to see Jasmine Ward or Hanif Abdurraqib anything yet, but that's on the, the plan eventually. would love to, to do that. I don't know if they're going to be at a National Book Fest, but you might want to check to see if they're going to be in yes i looked at the lineup but i totally forgot who all was on it but luckily it's on a weekend that i'm off so i definitely plan on going <laughs> yes and maybe we can link up because i plan to be there i'm gonna be in the building yes <laughs> yes please i would love that <laughs> so let's really get into it let's talk about the fact that you are um, I like to call us anomalies. I like to call us phenomena. I like to call us, um, you know, what what they say, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. <laughs> like it is so. Since I started this podcast, being able to be opened up to a different world where I get to experience more and more Black librarians, I'm just like my heart is overwhelmed and full by this. And I, um, my goal mm -hmm. is to also continue to just talk to other people of color who are in the field of librarianship because. I feel like people need to know this is a form of us advocating for the field because there needs to be more diversity, more idea, more belonging. Um, as far as like extending our reach to people of color, I think this gives a space for future librarians or people who are considering it and maybe thought about it, especially book lovers off Bookstagram and trying to like convert them into this space. And so being able to talk.
talk to you about it. And I, I believe you just recently celebrated a milestone. And I just wanted to talk to you about like, what really, um, how long have you been a librarian and really what sparked your interest in the field of librarianship? So I graduated in December, 2021 with my MLIS, which is my master's of library information science for those listening that maybe don't know. Um, I, I know you know, right? Um, so uh, I've been a librarian since February of this year, but before then I was already working in the library system full-time for like about August made it, no, July made it three years. So before I was a librarian, I was a library associate, which is kind of like a librarian without the master's degree, to be honest, I was already doing a lot of the same things. So I've been in the library for like about three years full-time. Um, I got back into reading like maybe like almost six years ago now. And um, at the time, I think it was like what my, maybe my 23rd birthday or something like that. The math isn't mathing right now, but I got a book for my birthday. It was Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. And I was like, oh, like I really enjoyed it. And I was like, hmm, maybe it's time for me to get back into reading. I need to know, but I don't know where to start. So I think I Googled something like books all black girls should read or something like that. And uh, I came across pages like what well, black girl and that kind of helped me to uh, figure out what I wanted to, what kind of books I kind of wanted to be interested in and stuff like that. So from there, cause I was kind of in between, like I had graduated with my bachelor's in social work and I thought I wanted to be a social worker. And then I was like, mm, yeah, I don't really want to be a social worker. So I made my bookstagram and people were saying like, oh, well you like to read, you should be a librarian. I was like, just cause I like to read, I mean, I should be a librarian. Right. But then I was like, hmm, let me see if I can, you know, maybe put my foot in the water, kind of feel it out because I didn't want to just hop in to go getting a master's degree in something that I wasn't sure that I was interested in. So I started as a page, which if you, for those listening that don't, don't know, a page is in my library system anyway, was people who shelve books, put the books on the shelves. Um, and that kind of helped me to kind of just observe and see what they, they do within the library. And then I also, like a couple months later, I had gotten a job as like an information part-time hourly. So I just sat on the information desk and helped people with questions and stuff like that. Even though I wasn't in that position for long, that helped me realize, yes, I am interested in working in the library full-time, Like I would love to be a librarian. So I eventually, a couple months later, I got a job as a library associate. And um, from there, I was like, okay, I felt it out a little bit. And then I applied to go to grad school and I started in... Um, March, no, it's not in March, 2020, uh, January, 2020. So a couple months before the world shut down because of COVID, uh, that's when I started school. So um, yeah, that's the question. I feel like I rambled a little bit, but yeah. Um, <laughs> I just knew that I wanted to, I knew that I wanted to help people in my profession. I just wasn't sure how I wanted to go about it. I thought I wanted to be a social worker and realized, eh, I'm not doing that anymore. And I kind of felt out the idea of working in the library. And I was like, you know, I am helping people just not in the way that I maybe initially thought I would be. And I get to combine my passion of books as well. <laughs> yes, and to be honest, um, your social work degree is going to be helpful and beneficial in the library because oftentimes um, library, some library uh, systems do have social workers on staff because, you know, the library, especially if you work in a public library, um, you get all types of people in the public library. You get people who might have some type of mental health crisis going on. You get people who are homeless. You get all types of people that need help. And so you actually are in a perfect spot to use both of them degrees. Um, I always thought, you know, I went to undergrad. I got two bachelor's degree. I have bachelor's degree. I have an English degree, I have a psychology degree, 
And then I have a master's in library science, so library information science. And then I got some other things going on. I was like, I got these bachelor's degrees. I ain't using them. And then when I ended up getting really deep into the library, <laughs> things, and I'm like, uh, yeah, you are using these degrees in, in so many ways. Yeah. So yeah, you do get the, the opportunity to kind of like use both your social work degree and your library degree. And it really would come in handy at your branch, especially when it comes to like um, dealing with difficult patrons and things of that nature. And you, you have a different aspect or outlook on how to, to, um, negotiate or talk or, or do, um, some type of, uh, mediate, mediate, being the mediator. So doing a little bit of mediation in regards to those situations, would you say that that is, uh, oh, you can you hear me? I can hear you. Yes. I'm sorry. My thing kind of like cut out, but <laughs> Oh, no. but, but I think I'm back now. Yeah, I, I, you're back. And so what I was saying is like, do you feel like that your social work degree actually helps you to do your job on a daily basis? I really do. I think a lot of the core, competen core competencies and values of social work kind of like overlap with a lot of the things in um, working in the library, or just working with the public in general. The good thing about the thing that about a social work degree or any kind of like public service um, profession is that even if you're not in that specific field, it's going to help you in the long run. So I feel like even if I decided that I didn't want to be a librarian anymore, which I don't see that happening, I feel like that would help me in whatever else is um, next in line for me because of that experience of working with people and having those core values of the, the various things that we um, value as librarians. Yes, I, I completely agree with you in that regard. Um, so we know that you're currently working in a library and you're working in a librarian's role. Is there a specific space within the library that you work and operate? Are you working with children or are you an adult librarian? Or are you just general reference? Yeah, so I'm just, uh, I'm in a generalist branch. So the branch that I'm in in the system is very, is, is a smaller branch. So I just do it all. Um, we have one, one large desk, the circle on one side and then the two info desks on the other side. So I just do it all. Um, we do we do do a lot of children's programming in my branch because adults don't really come out to stuff as much, but we're hoping that we can maybe hopefully change that soon. Okay, okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, people don't think about that as well, that all library branches are not always these really big, gigantic buildings or something. Mm -hmm have a big gigantic building but the staff is small and um a lot of that just comes with either budget cuts sometimes not really have enough having enough funding which is why friends of the library is often important um but then like you said you do have these smaller like neighborhood branches where maybe a community came together and they we want a library branch. And so we also want to be a part of like this county or this community as well. Is that kind of what your, your library system or your branch is like is one of those community libraries that maybe the people in the community came together and they created this branch? Hmm, that is a good question. <laughs> I know it's one of the, it's one of the earlier branches that were built in the library system. Okay. It's in the middle of a neighborhood. I just don't know if it's like specifically the result of that, but I know there are other branches in our system that have come together across or come together because the people in that community have said, hey, there is nothing close enough to us. Can you guys make us a library? Um, yeah. 
Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it happens. Um, so we were talking about programming and we can kind of just like dive into that. You were talking about programming. You said that you guys do a lot of children's programming in your particular branch and you don't really have a lot of things that cater to adults. Um, let's just do a little bit of, I guess, dream talk. What would you say your ideal programming would be that you guys could probably bring that you think adults would be more attracted to? And how would you set that up? Um, what would your ideal library look like? So just, you know, just do a little dream talk and let's, let's have, let's go down that road. <laughs> so my ideal library would be a lot bigger. Um, I think space is an issue that we run into. We're trying to like put together programming, um, it'd be a lot bigger, have probably multiple rooms where we could possibly have multiple programs going on at one time if we needed to, or we would have the space where if somebody wants to rent it out, it's not keeping us from having programming, Um, maybe multiple levels. So like the children's on one level, adults on another level, teens maybe like in between. My ideal library would probably uh, have a lot of author events um, because I feel like those are always so cool. Um, my ideal library in terms of the collection would, Black books would be the norm, right? So it wouldn't have to, I wouldn't have to struggle to help a family come up and be, when they come up to me and be like, oh, can you help me find books where little Black boys or little Black girls are the main characters? Because that's all they're going to see. Like, it wouldn't be a struggle to find the titles. And, you know, in a way, it might be a a lack of titles existing in general, right? But we see that that's changing. It's definitely changed from when I was growing up. Um, so the ideal library would have all that. I mean, it would still have all the books, right? Not all the books, but most of the books that you see now in our libraries, but an emphasis on the Black books because that's my focus. And that's what helped me get back into reading. And I feel like that's what, especially because me, I, I love working where I do because I feel like I get to help people who look like me and I would love for the collection to be reflected, the, that to be, the collection to be reflective of that. And I would also love for our programming to be reflective of that. Like, I know a lot of the, the limits is because of budgets and stuff like that, but I would love like, there is a library system in like Delaware, in Wilmington, Delaware. They have the coolest, blackest programming all the time. Like they had Angela Davis one time. They're gonna have the cast of A Different World in September. like. And I'm just like, I would love to do stuff like that, stuff that appeals to people, even if they're not readers, right? So just things that people are just generally interested in, because I think the ideal library would appeal to people, even if they're not readers for various reasons, whether it's providing clothing drives or food drives or just pe- things that people are generally interested, in, whether it be an author or some somebody from their favorite TV show or just fun stuff. Like, I think that libraries do so much and that's not to say that my li- my specific library can't do well in a way it kind of can't because of space um <laughs> so the ideal library would be so much bigger and just so much bigger and do so much black stuff like <laughs> if that makes sense it's <laughs> oh, perfect sense and I agree with you like it's nothing like having um a space where you can kind of just feel you don't have to you you're you're not touching wall to wall when you stretch mm. out your arms you know what I'm saying yes. especially now like a space that felt small before COVID feels small feels even smaller now that we're like in this thing because I don't I don't want to say pa- 
past it because we're not really past it. We're still in it. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Let's just be clear on that. We're still in the whole pandemic out here, even if we try to act like we're not. But yeah, um, yeah, I agree <laughs> with you. And it would be nice to like have room. And I can imagine that social distancing can sometimes be a little a bit of a challenge in a smaller space. And you know, people are really thinking about their mental and emotional health differently. And so. Yeah. Um, that is a a good I like that's a good blueprint to like let's expand let's maybe stretch this out but then let's black it up and I'm all for always blacking it up like yes (laughs) sections from me here I am biased in some way (laughs) the way that I appreciate black culture love black culture love black reading love black authors i am very much so i lean that way although i will say i do diversify my reading um as much as i possibly can but i lean heavily for my people because that's that's where i come from that's my culture i feel like there's so many years of reading and things that i need to catch up on so like I could read black books by black authors for the rest of my life and just be set. Granted, I'm I'm not, but I won't even say that that would be limiting myself because I don't think that if I decided to do that, I don't think that it would be limiting, but I'm just not, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give other people a chance every so often. <laughs> in the diaspora, in the African-American diaspora and the African diaspora, there's so many levels to reading. There's so many genres. Um, we are not a monolith like black people are writing in in areas now whether or not the publishing houses or they're getting published by publishing houses and their information is getting pushed that's a different story but they are writing and we do have significant black authors that are out there like there's a whole world and then a lot of authors are choosing to just go the independent route because they don't want to go through all the the boats and all of the just the hoopla to get in to get a book deal and so it's important to support independent authors because they make good books too I'm an independent author I also help independent authors publish and um that it's some good stories out there that people sometimes miss because they're always looking at the big five to to tell them and to guide them for their reading it's like no you need to go check out the amazons you need to go check out the kindle you need to go check out barnes and noble because they also have the ability to be able to check out apple books um i think there are different apps you can look at like net gallery and all of these different apps that sometimes have these urban fiction um and not and it's not always just urban fiction some of them are memoirs and things of that nature that's available um to us and um sometimes so I'm here for reading independent I'm here for reading black um and I will never object to that uh so yeah I I I definitely agree with you in that regard you mentioned um quite a bit that your reading is what kind of pushed you into your desire to now become a librarian. And you also talked about the fact that you were a bookstagrammer. I am also a bookstagrammer, so hard. Gang, gang. (laughs) And so um, let's talk about that. Let's talk about your bookstagram journey. What made you really want to create your page? I love the bookstagram community. I feel very safe over there. And I I feel like we're a bunch of people who loves books and love literature and we can nerd out and nobody feels like- Right. nobody feels different about about it it's just like oh these are my people and they like me over here 
it's so funny because you kind of touched on it. It's just like, so like, you know, and when I first started getting back into reading, I will post about it on my personal Instagram, but I was like, nobody's responding or engaging. And, you know, for me, it wasn't about necessarily like numbers or how the posts were doing, but, you know, being able to talk to other people who were like readers or interested kind of helped me grow on my journey. So I, I found out, I think one of the first bookstagrammers I followed was, uh, people or people on like book with bookish accounts there was a, a well-read black girl page and there was also um i think her name is kesey i don't know if i'm saying it right but her username is like a well-read and well-fed and also a chocolate covered page is kiona i followed those were like the first three like i followed them on my my personal page and i was like looking at the hashtags i was like bookstagram what is this and i'm like yo they're just posting what they read so i thought it would be a cool way to like visualize like my reading journey like I didn't even think anybody was necessarily gonna follow me or be interested in what I was reading but I thought the idea of just having this Instagram page that's just what I'm reading I can go look and see like oh what have I been reading like I could just scroll through and see that like I thought that was just like a great idea and then when I realized like people were actually following me and like I was getting recommendations from them we were talking about things like I was like yo this is so great like oh my god I love this um, and it's so funny because even with my bookstagram growing slightly the way it is, um, I still kind of stick to that. Like I, I really just try to post my reading journey, what I'm interested in. Um, yeah, sometimes I'm not super consistent because that's just how it is sometimes. Like even people who love to read will tell you um, sometimes they're just not feeling it. And I think that sometimes with bookstagram, it can feel like a chore. Um, and I don't, you know, I'm not here for that. So sometimes I do lose followers, but I'm not, it's not about the followers for me. Like, even if people stop engaging with my stuff altogether, you know, Instagram's algorithm is so crappy lately. Like, it's like, the only thing that makes, upsets me about that is because, not because like, oh, the numbers aren't there, but it's because that means like the people that I like to engage with maybe aren't seeing my stuff and we're not going to be able to have those conversations and engage like I enjoy. So like, if I post a story and it gets like, 25 views the whole day I'm like what is this like I want to be able to engage with people but that's what that's why I'm here but you know yeah being able to nerd out with other people and like having that visual journey amazing yeah Instagram mm, we ain't gonna get on that tangent but <laughs> it's so frustrating it's very frustrating I will say that I, my stories with free page I have I, I often reference this story on purpose like I started my stories with free page last year actually at the beginning of last mm -hmm. year and I was doing something else with it it really was just a page for me to be creative and just have a creative outlet and just post whatever I wanted like posting some of my writings and stuff like that but then I got to a point where I was just like this is not what I should be doing or what I want to do anyway and so then all of a sudden, I, I was already following like big publishers and things of that nature and, ma and major, like some major pages or whatever, like Tabitha Brown's page. And, you know, I was following her because she has a book, Gabrielle Union, mm -hmm. following her because she has a book. I was following Elaine Welteroff. Like I was already following authors mm -hmm. individually, like Jason Reynolds mm -hmm. and, um, in some way, close and Whitehead. But then I was like, you know, I had, so I deactivated the page and I stopped it. This year in January, I was like, I'm going to restart my page and I'm going to post it. I'm going to create it. Yes, I'm going to create a page that's strictly on 
reading and my love for literature because I feel like that's a part of me that is a, books have always been a very essential part of who I am mm-hmm. as a person and so I was like let me start sharing my my reading and stuff with people because I was already kind of like you said doing it a little bit on my personal page and there are readers that were engaging and stuff but I was like let's let's try to reorg this and do it this way opened me up to a whole world of people and I was mm-hmm. like, yo I like it over here I love it yeah it's fun <laughs> it's so fun and it's so enriching and like you said the algorithm is kind of jacked up and I don't post every day either I lose followers every other day some of them followers I probably need to leave because they probably spam pages and so yeah but- <laughs> followers every week and it doesn't bother me because I'm like sometimes when I think about that I'm like wait that's not why you started this in the first place that's not what you were here for you were here to be a community and so regardless of who's following you who ain't following you do what you're gonna do and you know yeah. and to the best of your ability and do it because you enjoy it and I I can get into that mode where I'm like work 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 you got to do it you got to do it you got to post you got to post and then I'm like but I don't though right (laughs) my page and either you gonna follow it or you're not you gonna like it or you're not and I'm and I really had to like break myself from this people pleasing idea or concept about when especially when it came to reading because I was like I've never been this person. I've always read what I wanted to read and I always mm-hmm. kind of like done what I wanted to do. So we ain't finna do that either. Like, yeah. like I'll take some of your recommendations, but you're not going to inform my reading. Like, because yeah. some of the books that you might like, I might think it's trash and I might DFN it. And I'm going to Oh, be- I'm quick to D- DNF because look, it's too many good books out here for me to be reading a book that I know I'm not about to enjoy. Like, DNF. It- I said DFN, DNF. (laughs) And you know what's crazy? I just started doing that. I used to be a person where I had to finish what I started, but I'm like, life's too short now. (laughs) I used to feel that way, especially if it was something that so many people said was good. But I'm just like, you know, not everything is for everybody. And also, I'm not a super fast reader. Like, I mean, I guess compared to like the average person, I think when they say people, most people read like maybe like what at most, maybe five books a year. I don't know. I maybe made that up, but it's something close to that, I think. So I'm definitely like way beyond that. But overall, I'm still a pretty slow reader. So I'm just like, and I also read multiple books at once, but um, sometimes I just have to kind of just abandon everything I'm reading and just start new because it's just, it can be very overwhelming. So I feel that. I read multiple books. I read multiple genres and I also read multiple um, uh, formats. So I, I can, do that too. So I can do audio, I can do ebook and I can also do like a paper book. Now uh, keep in mind, I just had to start getting myself back into the habit of reading a physical book because I, I had, I was commuting for so long because I was living mm-hmm. in I had to switch the way that I was reading. And when I got back into reading and started mm-hmm. being very much so consistent and adamant about my reading again, because I just missed that part of me, I mm-hmm. had to over to like audio and I used to be a person that was anti anti audio anti ebook and mm-hmm. then those things changed my life and changed the game now I <laughs> force myself sometimes to do an actual paper copy of a book but I think I have a nice little balance now um no I feel you because I'm literally in the same boat right now like I really struggle with because for a while I like to follow along with the book but also listen to the audio or follow along with the ebook and listen to the audio shout out to Libby um 
<laughs> but I've really been struggling with reading like paper books and that makes it hard when I get like when they send me like advanced reader copies of books that I'm interested in because it's just like well the audiobook not available for me yet I might not be getting to that book anytime soon because uh I don't really be holding them like that but I think it's also just part of it is that I don't always have the time right like so like I can pop an earbud in if I'm doing something at work and listen to the audiobook but I can't I can't shelve books and hold a book in my hand at the same time or you know what I'm saying like and um I I would love to be on the advanced readers copies list I don't know how I'm gonna get on there somebody gonna have to teach me the trick of the trade but I would so, love to <laughs> like free books hi my name's Bree I like free books <laughs> so I don't know if you've heard of Libro FM but they have a librarian advanced listening copy uh, uh, program. So they do it every month. Um, so I will send you the link to that. Um, and they also have an influencer one. So I can send you the link to that as well. Um, anything that I come across, I will send to you. So remind me, but definitely as like a librarian, you can still get a lot of stuff. So, I mean, I don't make the selection, but if you're trying to give me free stuff because I'm a librarian yeah I'll take it <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's some perks somewhere to me being a librarian so I'm out here for it um so look there you go there you go fellow librarian she just gave us a hat a life hat <laughs> I love me some books like and um like I said I really just got back into like fully immersed into reading within the last maybe two to three years, right before the pandemic. No, within the last four to five years now, I listen, my 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 timelines are have been jacked up since 2020. So right. this is feel like this feels like year three of 2020 for me sometimes. <laughs> so this 2022. So I've literally started back getting back into reading heavily probably in 2018. And when mm. I started back reading then it's because I just was like like once again I just missed that part of me um mm -hmm. but that actually might have been when I started getting back into reading and I know I said like five or six years but I realized after I said the timeline didn't make sense because mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> even though I wasn't reading I was still buying books I've always bought books even in the midst of me not reading I've always bought books because books like I said, are really just a comfort space for me. So I was for all of those years that I wasn't like really reading, I was still buying books and not reading them. And I was like, you have to stop buying all these books and not reading them. That's you. <laughs> that's so funny because that's actually, it's not me only because I think honestly what it was was that I didn't know where to start or what kind of books I even wanted to be reading. Like, so I think that was part of why that wasn't me. And then also like, I couldn't afford books. Um, <laughs> I was I was heavily going to the library or not heavily because here's my thing. I didn't care for the way that libraries are set up. I feel like libraries a lot of the time are set up to, you have to know what you want to read when you go in or what you're looking for when you go in or you get lucky and maybe find something on a display. I always preferred the way bookstores were set up because, you know, they felt their displays felt more inviting and the way they broke things down and they section things off always felt like there was so much more. Um, uh, it helped you with, if you didn't know what you wanted to, if you knew you wanted to read, but you weren't exactly sure. 
So that's why I think that like I get really excited to put together book displays at work. I think that's why I get like I I go in when I do them because I, I know that like I didn't always feel like libraries were set up to where, oh, I know I want to read, but I don't know what I want to read, but I have a feeling like it didn't feel like that. Mm. Yeah, well, I always go to libraries for comfort. I had never really went to libraries to get books and to check them out. I always just went there because they were my safe space. Um, mm -hmm. And I went to the bookstore. Now, how I never told you I could afford to be buying the books. I just, <laughs> uh, but I did like around 2018, 2019. I was like, okay, well, you can either, you're going to, this is what you're going to do. You're either going to buy the books and you're going to read them. Or you're going to stop buying books and you're going to start checking stuff out at the library and save money. And so I were you a librarian at this point? I, um, yes, I was a librarian, <laughs> and I literally was not checking books out at the library and stuff like that. But I literally was just like, I'm going on a book buying ban. You cannot purchase another book that you were that you're not reading. So if you're going to start reading you have to get your books from the library. And so I started checking out books and stuff at the library. And I'm like, because you paying your taxes, why is you not using the library? Right. And so I started checking books out at the library. And then when my reading had to change because of the type of job that I had, I was like, all right, I'm going to try audio. And then I'm going to try eBooks. I started off with eBooks because I, I had to ease my way into it because it was a person that I was like anti-eBook, anti-audio. So I had to ease my way in there. So I started with eBooks and that was doing well. And then I got to the point where I was like, okay, well, I do a lot of listening to music and different things. I got to a space where I want to start listening to more like audiobooks to boost my amount of books that I could read in a year. Mm -hmm. So I started going to audio. I am still an audiobook snob, honey. If the person that's reading your book ain't don't sound good to me, cut it off. <laughs> oh, I'll read the book later, some other time, or I just won't go back to it because no, no. I am so I was just like, I have to be, I'm very particular about my audiobooks, but I have been reading a lot of audiobooks. Like currently I'm reading the personal librarian. Um, mm -hmm. and that's going really well. I heard that was I heard that was good I um <laughs> I feel you on that like I some uh, some narrators just make books sound really really cheesy and I'm like yeah no I can't deal with this you uh, pick turn it off <laughs> yeah yeah so let's let's um let's talk about more about your library librarian experience so Say, for instance, there was a patron that was to come into the library. And, you know, when pages come in, they always, they don't really give us specifics. They, it's <laughs> always like, um, I think it was like red. It may have been a woman on the cover, you know, stuff <laughs> like that. You know, how does your reference, uh, how does your reference go? So basically, how does your reference interview go when you're talking to a patron who literally comes in, they're looking for something good to read, or they have a book that they have in mind that they just can't remember the title and they got all of these clues that might not even be the actual book that they're looking for. So how does that go? <laughs> That's so funny because I'm, <laughs> I'm working on getting better at this, but there's a patron who comes in and um, there's a patron who comes in who's specifically like that. Um, so usually my first thing is, my first question is, um, uh, what's the book about? Do you know what the book is about? Or maybe who the book might be by or um, 
maybe when it came out or like even the first name of the author or something like that or maybe something else that you think you maybe read by it before especially because a lot of the times she'll say it's for her book club so um I try to get an idea like what's the what do you think the book is about like what's the genre um when did it come out because questions like that will kind of help narrow it down even if I got to type into google like oh book with woman on cover because you know people make random goodreads lists of books with a woman in the red on the cover so like who knows that could possibly be what comes up and um sometimes I'll try to see oh do you remember what do you remember what the cover looks like if I turn it do you think you'll have an idea um so yeah those are usually my go-to questions <laughs> sometimes it helps sometimes it doesn't right and little do they know that libraries do be using google <laughs> right <laughs> like I don't know if they think that I just type this into our system and type in exactly which time. no I just hop on google like <laughs> exactly and I mean we are still the original search engines but we still be using google look we got Absolutely. to find this obscure question or <laughs> then we can go into the ILS system and find what you're looking for so exactly um, you are a black librarian and um I imagine, I don't know for sure what your growing up looked like, but I have a question about whether or not when you were growing up, did you see librarians of color? Did you see librarians that looked like you? None that I remember, to be honest. Um, and it's so funny because like, I used to go to the library a lot, more so to kind of get on the computer after school or if I was like waiting around for my mom to pick me up, something to do, maybe check out a book and probably not ever get to it. I don't remember really ever seeing anybody that looked like me. I always thought of like librarians as being like old white, old stuffy white ladies, which after going to ALA, it's not necessarily wrong. <laughs> but no, not really. And it's so funny because so I grew up for the first part of me growing up, I lived in Prince George's County, which is like predominantly black county. And even like going to the library then. I don't remember seeing people that look like me. I mean, now I work here and I'm definitely seeing a lot more people that look like me working here. But back then, I don't remember that. Um, in Anne Arundel County, definitely wasn't seeing anybody that looked like me. Even when I worked there for a little bit, wasn't really seeing anybody that looked like me, um, especially, I mean, specifically where I went anyway. Uh, or if I did see anybody that looked like me, they usually were on more so on the circ side of the library, not the information side. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's something that comes up a lot because when we think about it and it's it's happening and it's always a that's that's a stickular or that's a sticky topic or a sticky subject in the library world, especially when we start talking about idea, which is inclusive, uh, you know, diverse, equity and accessible. When we start thinking mm -hmm. about that and then belonging, adding the B to that. That has always been a, a area in the library that a lot of people don't want to talk about. Like we mm -hmm. talk about how diverse the library is, but as a profession, the library mm -hmm. still has <laughs> a lot of work to do. And um, what do you think, especially when it comes to like recruitment for librarians of color, when it comes to like maybe schooling for librarians and things of that nature, what do you think needs to change or how do you think things should change when it comes to just like idea and belonging when it comes to creating inclusive diverse equitable and accessible spaces for people of color to want to be in the field of profession uh, or be a professional librarian i i think for me and some people may think this is controversial uh, maybe not controversial but like i don't feel like 
the master's in library and information and science should be a requirement. I feel like maybe there could be some kind of like training where if somebody wants to move up that they can do that or if somebody has a master's degree in something else and they just happen to be in the library for this amount of time and i know a lot of library systems are kind of maybe trying to like adopt some kind of like career ladder to where like you can kind of have a role that's like practically a librarian but they can't technically call it a librarian because of what the ala requires and i just think that it's just so like there are people who have been working for the library for 20 years, but they're not librarians because they don't have a master's degree in library information science. That person knows more than I do. Like, is, and I think that people, people, a lot of the times, like, I think, especially those who do have the degree, if they were to change that, they may, they may feel some type of way about it. And I don't think that it's something that's worth feeling some type of way about because I feel like that's growth, that's change. Um, but I feel like they don't realize, a lot of people don't realize that like we talk about how this profession is so like, we're moving in the right direction. We're so diverse. We're trying to be so equitable, but like that is a major barrier. Not everybody has the means to, um, to go back to school, whether it be time commitments or children commitments. Like I was lucky I was able to get this out of the way when I was a little bit younger, but a lot of people don't really find themselves or realize that that's something that they want to do until they get older. And then it's just like, maybe nobody wants to take on that debt or they can't afford it. Like, it's just, for me, I really feel like that can go because honestly, as somebody who was working in the library before I started school, I feel like my me already working in the field helped fuel my education more than me having the master's degree made me a better librarian. You know, and I don't disagree with you. And I have my master's degree. <laughs> and I will say that in in-field experience has helped me way more than what I particularly learned at the master's degree level. And it's not to say that I didn't have some excellent teachers because I did. Right. I have learned so much more by being an actual librarian, being in the field than I have would ever learn from going to get that master's degree. But now I have the debt to prove that I have the master's degree. Fun um, part. <laughs> but you know, if you're not the only person that has brought that up. There had that has been a conversation. Um, uh, in regards to it being a barrier, because it is, because before you can even get a master's degree, more most people have to have a bachelor's degree. A bachelor's degree. So what if you decide that you don't want to go back and get a bachelor's degree? Some in some con in some programs in some counties they offer certificates and stuff like that, but those certificates are only for like paraprofessional positions. They're mm -hmm. not for librarian positions, and so then, like you said, it does become a barrier of of entry for people when they you're telling them the only way that they can get this this job with this actual title librarian in the title which is not by the way guaranteed that you will still get the job even after you get the master's degree but you're absolutely you're telling these people that they need to go get this degree and then they go get the degree but it ain't a guarantee that you go get them the job after they get the degree and then also you're putting extra stress on them because they have to go back to school and all of these different things. And I, I just like, I have some personal stake in that because I, I've had my library degree for six years now. I've never held a position with librarian the title. I did, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I did a temporary position as a reference librarian, but that really doesn't count. It was only for four months. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as like extended time, never had a position that had librarian in the title. Getting a job as a librarian is not easy. 
Like even getting a job in a library is not easy. Like I, when I first started working in a library, I was working as a page, but I was also working at the movie theater. And I took on another library job because I felt like I was applying to so many positions that people were transferring in or they had the seniority over me. So like I was working in two different library systems and still working at the movie theater and I could I didn't drive so I couldn't afford to get around. So I had to quit a job and I was like, okay, which one of these library systems seems like they would be, be more willing to hire me? And I just picked one and I got lucky that maybe like a couple months later, I was able to get a job as a library associate. And then once I graduated, I got a, I was able to be reallocated into being a librarian. But like, if I had said that I was going to wait until I was finished with school to start looking for a job in the library, I probably still would not be working as a librarian. Yeah. And, you know, I do appreciate those systems who do actually send their library associates and things of that nature to back to school. Cause there are certain systems that do that. There are systems in California mm-hmm. that do that. They'll pay for their um, librarians to get further education and then they'll bump them up similar to, I guess what, I don't know if that was your situation, but, and I know that Chicago does that as well, where certain branches mm-hmm. Chicago will pay for people to go back and get their library, their MLS and um, MLIS is where, what I got. And they'll pay for them to go back to school and then they'll get bumped up to a library position. But like you said, it's not easy getting, getting jobs yeah. in the library. I can, if I told you the amount of jobs that I've applied for in and the amount of libraries that I've applied for them, you would be like, girl, what? <laughs> yes. And so I've applied for a lot of librarian jobs. And I was looking mm-hmm. at, very recently, I was looking at like my um my hard drive or whatever that I have, my external drive. And I was going back because I was looking for something. And all you see, all, all I saw was like resumes and cover letters. And I was just mm-hmm. like, this is infuriating, kind of sort of. And so I and in some of those positions. I either I never got an interview for or they never gave me a call back I never got an email or I got the email two years later talking about we filled the position did you think I was still waiting two years <laughs> two years later I, I was not waiting so I do agree with you that that is a way that we can be better in the field because sometimes it is almost like um really gatekeepy and it seems like the library world doesn't mm-hmm due diligence of hiring their friends and stuff like that um and now we're literally forced the, the most the, supposed to be the most diverse place in the world we're first forced to actually try to come in at the tail end of what idea and belonging looks like when we should be in the forefront and um, exactly and so like a lot of people are now starting to like incorporate that into their core values and stuff and I've seen it happen in some libraries and I'm like are you really going to do this do you really mean it or are you only doing <laughs> it to you know show face and so I'm interested to see what the library world as a profession is going to do when it comes to trying to they they recognize it's an issue We've had multiple conversations about it being an issue. We have webinars about it. We have all these different things, but when are we going to like physically do evoke change? Are we going to include this in our core values? Is ALA going to do do a complete reorg? Like you come out with these percentages and this and these of what 
who's what you're you're trying to be transparent okay but how are you breaking those barriers how are you changing those numbers what are we doing um to make sure that we're advocating for people of color to come into the field um instead of having these little niche groups of things you know what i'm saying so um i i definitely agree with you in that mm -hmm. regard um so I, as we prepare to wrap up as we prepare to wrap up it's been a first off it's been an amazing hour thank you so much once again for uh it's been so great chatting with you <laughs> yes 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 i agree yay we else. um maybe come back uh on another episode we can discuss a book as boostergrammers like we have to yes have to, i'm here for it i'm all the way here for it um so <laughs> Let's the, let's end off on I guess a funny kind of note. I don't know if you have any, but do you have a library horror story that you would like to share? You don't gotta share no names, but do you have a, a horror story that has happened to you that you can share? This is such a it's so funny. I was thinking about this question. I even asked my coworker about this question because you know we've had some ridiculous things or some seemingly ridiculous things happen with patrons. But then it's just like you realize that like you when you think about the why as to why maybe this person did what they did, it doesn't feel as funny anymore. <laughs> it's just more like sad when you think about like, you know, you have people that have like mental health issues. So I, I don't know about necessarily anything crazy or funny with patrons, but like, hmm. I know you said you can edit some things out. So just let me think on it for a little bit. Um <laughs> um horror story library horror story hmm i don't know if this counts as like a horror story but for me i'm always like super terrified when like the the computer shut off because of like a storm or something like that because you have a whole library full of people who were like working on something super important and when you know when the computer turned back on the computers are starting over so everyone's like um can you help me and it's even worse when it's like right before you're about to close because then it's just like okay well i need to print this i need to get back on and i'm just like i'm so sorry like i've had people yell things at me like you guys should have a generator and i'm like look i can't help it but the power went out okay like look you were working on something i was working on something Shipping in Google Docs, fam. Mind you, that little note that popped up when you got into this computer that you decided to just hit accept and ignore told you <laughs> that if this thing shut off, ma'am, sir, that he should whoever non-binary. <laughs> it told you that you would lose your stuff if the computer shut off. So you should have been saving it at some point, but because you decided to ignore it, now it's my fault. And you yelling at me as the li at the library as the library table, you know, at the reference desk, like I can bring it back. I don't I can't work miracles. I can't work miracles. Look, I I was sitting in the dark just like you were. <laughs> That's what we be wanting to say. We be that's what we have to be like, I'm so sorry. No, for real. I'm so sorry. And you because you be wanting to be, <laughs> want to be like, were we not both just sitting in the dark together? <laughs> we be getting here together. Like man, like bruh. So yeah, I, I agree with you. That does make you a little anxious. That has happened. And then that thing when they write, because you know, with library, I don't know if y'all computers are set up like that, but when I worked at one life, everything off. When that thing shut off, it's gone. It's something and it's so crazy because 
people want that until they don't want it, right? So people want the computers to make sure that they don't keep any of their information until they're working on something really important and it shuts off on them and they're because they weren't paying attention or because of, because of the power or whatever. And I'm like, oh, you can't retrieve that for me? No, I can't. They're like, are you sure? Yes, I'm positive. I'm just lying to you for my own health. Like, <laughs> you want me to work some IT magic? I'm not an IT ma'am. I'm the referee. Right. <laughs> what does name tag say? <laughs> Look again. I mean, I probably could, but I'm not gonna sit here all day trying to retrieve your paper that we didn't told you that you should have saved on an external hard drive or in your Google Drive. Like we right. are doing this, so I completely understand that completely but listen we can go on a tangent on that because i look listen the the patrons be <laughs> the patrons the customers be trying oh, to like they they really do um but it is like i said it's been a lovely hour and that was great that was a great way to end us at us acting up as fellow librarians <laughs> that was a great way to end <laughs> <laughs> 